Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung. We thank you for those that have taken time out of the schedule to come and fellowship with us today. We ask that as we look into your word that we will grab hold of the nuggets that you have for us and that we will live thereby and that it will become rooted into our lives that you will be glorified. And we thank you and honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We are now on to episode three of our series, How to Be a Perfect Christian. And if you missed the other two, I would recommend that you go to our YouTube site, which you can find on the U on. Uh, if you go to YouTube, you go to God's House CC, and there you will find all the sermons that have been preached in God's house. But I think this is a very good series for you to start your YouTube subscription with so that uh, you can always know what we are preaching. They call that a plug. Yes. But today I want to remind everyone that we are looking at how to be a perfect Christian, third episode, and this is based upon a book that I read last year called How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. Now, I also need to add, because I don't want folks to think that I'm saying that we can be flawless, that this was a satirical book that I read. And a satire is the use of humor, irony, Exaggeration or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices, particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. So, just to be clear, how to be a perfect Christian is not really my focus. My focus is to talk about how we should be living. Because if you try to be perfect, guess what? It ain't going to happen. And our physical, our human uh, perception of what's perfect is what everybody sees. But we know through scripture that God doesn't look at what everybody else sees. He looks at the intents of the heart. So we can try to put up all these little facades of how everything looks like how it should be in how everybody thinks that we got it all together, but God is looking at that malice and that bitterness and all that that you have in your heart toward the folks. And that you, He knows you're faking the funk. It's just you're so funky, you just don't know that you're stinking. All right. Let me tell you uh, this is a little side note because I, I shouldn't. I, I, uh, I have been in the field so long that when we were out there doing maneuvers, that you got to the point that you would stop you would stop stinking. You wouldn't stop stinking. It was just your nose had just adjusted. Y'all seen the commercial where it say you get nose blind? And then it would be funny because some folks would try to sneak back and go take a shower. And you would know they took a shower because they don't smell like it. They'd be like, you smell like soap. I'm sorry. I know that's a sidestep. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, no, I, ain't. I just wanted to say that. But today, let's talk about this. How to be a perfect Christian number three. 
The satire is perfect Christians never let anyone get close enough to your life to see what a mess it is below the surface. Perfect Christians never let anyone get close enough to your life to see what a mess it is below the surface. In reality, the only way for us to encourage, restore, and bear each other's burdens is by pursuing authentic community. There is a, a saying that the word community means common and unity. That's where the word community. We come, make everything common, and we're unified together. All right? Our verses for today is going to be Galatians, the sixth chapter, the first through the fifth verses. The English Standard Version lays it out like this. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He funky. Oh, I'm sorry. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall deep into our hearts and that we will grow thereby in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. Can I talk about it in a satirical way first? Listen to this. The key to Christian, the, the key to true Christian authenticity is to look authentic without actually making yourself vulnerable. Share stories of being late to things because your children insisted on praying for their grandparents or other precocious but non-threatening explorations of God's love. And be sure to call your family's life beautifully messy. But keep any actual mess, any actual shortcomings or failures well hidden. This is how the perfect Christian does. How often do we want to give off the air of messy without actually sharing our imperfect life with people? You know, we all go through a little thing. We all go through a little something, something. But the realness comes when we become transparent and say, this is what I did. This is the result of what I've done. And I'm telling you, so you don't have to go down the same path. I believe that transparency sometimes... It, being it can be painful, but other times it can provide revelation. It can provide actually freedom. It can actually lift weights off of people. When I was in a, a men's group in El Paso, one of the things one of the things that we used to tell one another is the power of sin is in secrecy. The power of sin is in secrecy. When you try to keep everything secret and try to hold it in, that's when sin has power over you. But when you confess it, guess what happens? You have freedom. 
Now, I grew up with some brothers and sisters, and y'all may not have. But you always had that brother or sister that tell everything, right? They mouth run 100 miles an hour. You may be the one, but don't if, just look straight ahead. Nobody know I'm talking about you. But you always got that one. So what you would try to do, you try to be tactful and go tell mom and dad before the tattletale told them so you wouldn't get in as much trouble. Because they would come up and say, I'm going to tell that you did such and such. I already told. And daddy said it's all right. You see what I'm saying? But if you try to hold it in and, and you try to be secret about it, and then the, the tattletale can bribe you and say, I'm going to tell. Would you like a piece of candy? Would you like me to do something for you? You see what I'm saying? It becomes this bondage. But if you already done told, then it's like, oh, what's up? Go tell them. We can go together and tell them. It becomes this process whereby when we become transparent, sin no longer has the ability to pull us back, to hold us back, and to present us or prevent us from going forward as God desires for us to go. So this is how we have to operate so that we can do this in a way that gives God glory. There's a book that was out called Selfies. And the book was talking about how when you have the environment that we have right now, it's very rare that you'll see somebody on any of the social media pages with a frown on their face. You'll hardly ever see anybody looking down or, de or dejected. So we've created this environment whereby folks feel like whenever they are presenting themselves that they have to look a certain way. Reminds me of this uh, comedian, I can't think of his name right now, but he did this one skit where he's up on this mountain ridge with his girlfriend and he decides to propose. And he proposes and before she says yes, she says, wait a minute. She says, are we getting this on film? Then she says, wait a minute, we're not in the right position. No, wait a minute. Oh, the light ain't right. And they go through like an hour of nonsense because it has to be perfect so that we can post it. And the guy was like putting the ring back in his pocket. He like, because it was going through all this nonsense. Because we had to present this, this look that it was just all perfect, you know, the the, the sun was setting, and he was at the right angle, so the ring was showing, you know, the sun was shining through the ring, and, you know, all this little nonsense instead of just enjoying the moment. I remember the first time uh, Lady Yolanda and I were trying to take pictures for social media, and she was like, no, baby, you got to hold the camera here. You got to look your eyes up. I said, girl, I said, I'm going to take the picture. And they, no, babe, you gotta do, you gotta do better. You know, I was just like, okay. And still, sometimes I'd be like, but babe, you wasn't looking up. Okay, they, I got the angle right now. See, I've been trained. See, I've been trained. But my, but this is my point, though. It becomes this process where it has to be perfect. And how many pictures do we have to take in order for it to be the one that we're going to put on social media? Because we have to have this perfect look. 
It's got to be the perfect smile. I got to show all eight of my teeth, or I got to show, you know, all my, oh, I'm not going to smile. I'm going to just do the straight, you know. You go through all these things instead of enjoying the moment. I remember back in the day when we had what they call it, the Polaroid camera. Now, I'm not talking about the one that y'all talk about that come out. I'm talking about it was a little box like this, and it had this little square thing on top that had a flash on it. And you wouldn't know if you took a good picture until after you took it down to the drugstore, and then you had to go have them develop it, then you had to pick it up, and then you'd be like, Woo, I was looking crazy. Look at my hair. And guess what you still did? You still took that picture and you still put it in that photo album. I ain't talking to Miss Lady Yolanda. But my point is this. It was not a, we, we looked more at the moment instead of uh, how folks going to feel about the picture. And so this is the same thing that these facades, all this work that we do to put up these facades is not doing nothing but making you feel down, dejected, and false. You may not, you might be saying in your mind right now, I don't feel false. I, but it, you, 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 you have now put yourself in a predicament whereby you're saying, I have to do it this way because that's what everybody expects of me. How come you just can't be yourself? If you want to, if you want to cry on Instagram, go ahead and cry. Let some snot bubbles come out and all that stuff. It, it's all good. And then when folks be like, why are you crying? Just because I felt like it and I want y'all to see it. And so uh, the author of this book called Selfie says it like this. He says, I think social media has given us all a profound sense of performance anxiety. I think we all have a sense of being on stage at all times and projecting our best selves into social media platforms. While I love the idealized beauty of Instagram, it can be utterly oppressive to students, churches, or pastors who might feel less than perfect. In the book, I essentially attempt to say, you know what? Adolescents who embraced Snapchat are actually perhaps healthier in their approach to social media than we realize. They are creating a place to be honest about their off days, to express their less than perfect performances and inclinations, to actually laugh at themselves and to take a little bit of the air out of that performance anxiety. Churches that have a well-scrubbed Facebook or Instagram feed may be setting both themselves, their parishioners, and potential visitors up to get on that perfectionist train. Even though the preaching might say it's not about performing, we don't have to be perfect, but Jesus died so that we might not feel that pressure to fulfill all forms of righteousness. We've got to perform. But that's not what we're about. <clears throat> this pastor said, there's one more satire, and then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and talk about those scriptures. It says it like this. He says, doing, he says, uh, doing life together. Uh, it says, if this pastor admits that doing life together just means, a, just, it's just an excuse to do whatever you want to do. So what it means, so there's a saying that you get with a group of folks, and you say, we're doing life together. 
And the intention was that it was, you're doing like a Bible study together, you know, you're like doing an outreach together and all this. But now, uh, this pastor's saying, folks just say that just so they can go do whatever they want to do. But they say doing life together so they can sound spiritual. Yeah, we're just doing life together. And just saying, hey, we're just hanging out. Oh, no, hanging out sounds secular. You know, you can't be do- just doing hang out. You got you, you to gotta be doing life together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, see. See, now y'all catch it. See, y'all, ca- y'all catch it on. We've been doing this for three weeks now. Y'all like, okay, yeah, that sounds a little, little weird. In our scripture, the first thing that Paul tells us, he says, brothers. That means he... These are folks that he has a relationship with. He says, if you're caught, if you, if anyone is caught in a transgression, anybody's caught in a fault, if anyone has an issue, you who are spiritual, you that are listening to the voice of God, you that are endearing or endeavoring to live godly, should restore him, not because you're spiritually better, not because you're spiritually stronger, but you... Restore him with a spirit of gentleness, of meekness. Because if you allow pride to come in, you'll be subject to the same temptation. The Bible says that we all should take heed lest we fall. We should all be cognizant of the ability that we have to fall. There's always temptation. There's always something trying to pull us. But we need to be connected to folks that will help us to restore it. Listen, I know I said I wasn't going to eat the whole gallon of ice cream. And I know I told you, I, I, I know you told me to call you if I, if I ever felt tempted to eat the whole gallon. But I didn't think to call you till I was on my last spoonful. So you ate another whole gallon of ice cream? Yeah, it was it was a uh, uh, cookies and cream this time. One of my favorites. Now, the scenario can go two ways. It could be, you know, you don't need to do it. You know, yeah, he already knows that. But it's okay. Well, at least you called me. You thought to call me when you was on your last spoonful. Hopefully, we can get you next time. It'll be when you get your second spoonful. You know what I'm saying? It starts becoming an opportunity where somebody can encourage you to do better instead of someone condemning you. For what you've done. Because that's what the enemy would, would, would do. He'll, he brings condemned condemnation to you. While the spirit of God brings conviction. Conviction is a propulsion or a, a, a drive to do better and right. Condemnation is to put you down over what you've done and said that you'll never do better. Now, as we think about those two words, I'm going a little bit different, but as, as you think about those two words, we have to look at when we are talking to ourselves. Because, you know, that's the person that talks loudest to you, right? That person that you talk to in the mirror, when you're laying in bed and you're saying, you know what, you should have did this today, you should have did that, you should you know, that person. That's the person that really locks in one of the two. And so, as we look at condemnation, we know that condemnation is not for our benefit. So we have to start reprogramming ourselves to look to walk in right standing with God. I fail, but God says, 
if I fall, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So all I got to do is ask for forgiveness. But then your mind says, but will God really forgive you? Well, God's word is true. So if he says he'll forgive me, guess what? He will forgive me. So you have to start having this dialogue with yourself. And then it becomes easier for you to have dialogue with other folks. Because if you think you're in a, a condemned state, it's hard for you to help somebody else. Right? Okay. I'm just trying to help you today. But then he goes on, he says, but we're to bear one another's burdens. If someone comes to you, we pull or we talk to one another and we talk to one another with the mindset of speaking truth, of being transparent, of saying, listen, I'm going through this. I need to talk to somebody. Can I talk to you? Now, this is the other point I want to bring out about this. If you don't feel that you can keep your mouth shut about what somebody's going to tell you, then you keep your mouth shut by saying, I can't talk to you about that. I'd rather you do that than for that person never to trust you again because your loose lips caused their ship to get sunk. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, this conversation does not have to be a verbal conversation because we're living in this day and age. Don't get on social media talking about, I don't know why some people, and then you start talking, well, I ain't say their name, but everybody around the circle know who you're talking about. All right? Y'all that's doing such and such need to stop. Everybody know who you're talking about. Don't be trying. Listen, if you can't, not talk about it then say you know what I'm not the one to discuss this with it would probably be best for you to talk to somebody else and it may make them mad it may make them upset but let me tell you the truth always stands the truth sets you free the truth makes you established gives you a foundation then when they come to you they say listen I want to talk to you about B. And you say, you know what? Yeah, I can talk about that. But if it's something you're going through and you've been condemning yourself about it and you're trying to help somebody else, you might start trying to sink their ship because your ship is sinking. Okay? Verse number three says, For if anyone thinks he is something, I, I'm, I'm going to stay on, I'm just going to bounce off of this real quick, all right? Because it's kind of self explanatory. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives. Everybody. You know that's the worst form of deception? The worst form of deception is self-deception. Because nobody can tell you different. You think you a car? I don't care how they try to teach you. If you think you a car and you know you a car, it's hard for them to tell you different. I went to that extreme because y'all like, ain't nobody. Well, hopefully not. But I'm just, my point is, if you are deceiving yourself, it is very hard for them to help you. And so the whole purpose of this is for us to understand that we're in this together. We are a, a, a unified body. And facades, uh, straight out lies, deception does not help the body to become unified. It causes 
dissension. It causes what the Bible calls schisms or separations. It causes confusion. But if we walk in truth, if we walk in liberty, if we walk in honesty, and then one of my favorite words, if you hung around me, walk in integrity. If we walk in those type of attributes, it's very difficult for folks to jack you up, to mess you up, for folks around you not to trust you. One of the things that I used to enjoy about dealing with, dealing with folks is, is that they will say, somebody will come up and tell uh, a person, they say, you know what, Master Pender, such and such and such. They say, not Master Arpender, I know. I say, it must be another, it must be, it'd be like, you must know another one because that, uh, he don't say stuff like that. One guy went up there said, Master Arpender, he, he went up this long litany of cuss words. You know what he said? He said, blah, 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 blah. And the guy was like, dude, quit lying. That boy, I bet you if you punch him, he ain't going to cuss. Now, that might be different, but you know what I'm saying, but, but. <laughs> I had this reputation because I told folks, I said, to me, profanity shows that you do not have a very large vocabulary. I said, you should be able to figure out the word to express what you're trying to express without having to use a profane word. And so, so one guy said, well, that means you never cuss. I said, dude, I was a professional cusser. That's what I used to do. Then Jesus got in my life and showed me there's another way to articulate what you need to express to folks so that they can get understanding of what you're trying to have the conversation about. All right? I ain't trying to put no I ain't trying to convict nobody. I'm just telling this is what what I went through. But there has to be this environment, and this is how I want our environment to be where we feel that when somebody comes and talks nonsense to us, there is no inkling in our mind that anything that they just said is true. And that comes from interacting with each other, spending time with one another, but most of all, having a level of transparency with one another. Both ways. I, can I talk to you about such and such? No, I ain't ready to deal with something like that. I'm, I, I, you might want to talk to somebody else. But no, oh yeah, me and Jesus can work this out. And then they tell you, and you the one all in doom and gloom, one of the things we tell folks about when you get married, do not tell your parents everything that's going on in your house. I said, because y'all will be over it, and y'all come from the family dinner, and the family looking at the wife or the husband cross-eyed because they ain't, they ain't resolved it yet, and they throwing chicken and stuff across the table because they mad at each other, and y'all like, why y'all mad? We fixed that like three months ago. Well, if you wouldn't have threw it up in everybody's spirit, then we'd be good. Work it out. Communicate. Be with each other. Be transparent with each other so that we can have victory. Because we do not want to be the, 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 the uh, satirical Christian who never lets anyone get close enough to your life to see what a mess it is below the surface. Let me tell you something. We all know your life is in a mess. Okay? okay? Can I say a little louder? I, I ain't trying to get too loud. But everybody knows your life is jacked up. Okay? You know your life is jacked up. So, I'm jacked up. How can I get better? Help me. Boom. That's how this thing works. We're helpers one another. We uplift one another. We protect one another. We encourage one another to walk in righteousness so that we can all be victorious. All right? 
I think that's all I'm going to say today. No, I think I got one more thing. Uh, Pastor James Harvey said this. He said, what does it look like to bear one another's burdens, to love in deed and in truth, as in 1 John 3.18? He says, when you wonder if someone could use a ride from church, you offer to take them. When you wonder how someone is doing, you call them. When you think of what a financial burden that car repair must have been for your neighbor, and you can help do a little bit to ease the pain, you write them a check. When you wonder if someone else will help, you remind yourself that you are that someone. Can I hit you with another one? Hit you with that one again? When you wonder if someone else will help, you remind yourself that you are that someone. You help. Possible scenarios that call us to bear another's burdens are endless. The point is that love isn't content with feelings. It presses through to action. Love isn't content with feelings. It presses through to action. If you feel it, then do it. We call that initiative. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to say that of the three that we've gone through so far, this one to me is the most poignant because folks in church do try to put on airs and everybody knows that they ain't fooling nobody but themselves. And that's not what we want to be. We want to show authentic Christianity, which is you broke, so are we, but we know that Jesus is going to fix it all. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just this opportunity to look into your word and to get an understanding of how you want us to bear one another's burdens, to be this community of believers that cover, that interact, that uplift, that builds one another for your glory. That we will reflect, just like Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, caused us to be brought into your family. We want to bring others into the family and show them that same level of love. Let us have the money, the, the uh, mentality that we are the one when we think about someone should. So that we will glorify you and reflect your glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.